your eyes close. See the field spread out before you. See the field full of possibilities, where we might learn new stories together, where we might see the creativity of humans brought to life with words, where people and stories meet, where we might understand each other, not as something to hate or to fear, but as someone whom we share this earth with. Welcome to the Infamous Fables Podcast. Just a quick note before we get started. None of these stories are meant to encompass the entirety of their rich cultures. If you want to learn more about cultural works, I have included a list of references I found useful in the podcast description. Feel free to explore them and delve further into what makes these cultures unique. Keep your eyes open, and you never know what you might see. Episode 2. Tales for All Ages Today, I'll be speaking with Dustin. He's the creator of Sandman Stories Presents, a podcast about different cultural folklore. Feel free to check out his website at www.sandmanstoriespresents.wordpress.com. Thanks, and enjoy the episode. Part 1. The Stories I really like when it seems like there's not going to be a way to get something to be possible. And in the end it is possible. Um, something happens and it, and it changes it. One of my favorites is the nightingale. It's an Armenian story and it's, you know, this King builds a church and then there's a fog and a monk comes out of the fog and he goes, it's a beautiful church, but it's missing one thing. And the King goes, ah, oh, crap. And then, tears down the church builds another one and the monk again appears but it's missing one thing and when he goes out his youngest son goes on an adventure and the reversal of things is what i like in that story because there's a poisoned river and he has to tell the river ah you are life-giving water there's a forest full of thorns and other nasty stuff and he goes you are a beautiful beautiful forest and when he's being chased back that way by the witch, the witch is like, hey, forest, get him. And the forest is like, no, he told me I was beautiful. Hey, river, get him. No, no, no. He told me I was wonderful. And I was like, oh, that's, that was really cool to hear. And um, there's another thing like in the Anansi stories where Anansi has a nephew and sometimes it's his son. Kwikutsin often does the right thing, does everything the right way. And there's one where he goes down into a, a hole and meets an old grandma. And the grandma's like, go to the sweet potato patch, find the one sweet potato that says, don't dig me up, dig that one up, take it home, take off the skin, throw away the insides and boil the skin. Uh, come over, sit with me, don't look at me and uh, eat your food and take the drum that says ding ding, not the drum that says dong dong 
and he does all this and he gets this wonderful drum that feeds the people and Anansi goes down and he doesn't listen to her. He's like, what kind of foolishness? Take the sweet potato that says, don't pick me. You're trying to trick me. So he takes the other sweet potato and he brings it back. And she's like, okay, now cook the skin and, and throw away the inside. He's like, no, you crazy lady. I'm, I'm going to cook the insides and throw away the skin. He cooks the insides and it turns to rocks. And then he's forced to cook the skin. And he's just, he's rude the whole time. And he picks the wrong drum. And he goes back and when he, op when he plays the drum, all the creepy crawlies of the world come out. So that's how we have snakes and ants and all sorts of other bugs. So that, that, that reversal stuff is what I really enjoy in the stories. Actually, another one I just told from Armenia is the the betrothed, something like that, where the princess is actually the one going out and kicking butt. Um, she's she's promised to be married to this guy, and they get on a boat, and then the captain of the boat's like, um, get off for a second, we need some more provisions. So the prince gets off, and the captain leaves town with the with the princess and he's like all right princess now you got to marry me and she's like uh hmm can't really say no to you here on the open seas tell you what we'll go to your hometown and when we get there then i'll marry you there he's like oh okay so they they go there as soon as they dock the captain gets off the boat and she takes off with the boat and uh goes to an island and on that island there's a king who's like oh I've got 39 beautiful maidens, and as soon as I have 40 of them, I'm going to pick the most beautiful one to be my wife, and the rest will be her maidservants. And you are so beautiful, you'd make a perfect number 40. I think I would like you to be my queen. And she goes, okay, well, to be your queen, how about you send those 39 maids over to my boat, and uh, then we will enter the city as proper queen and maidservants. And he goes, yeah, okay. So as soon as the 39 women are on board, they set sail and leave, leave the king behind. And then they, they come across a castle. And at that castle, there's 40 rooms and lots of gems and jewels and a big feast. So they eat and they go to their rooms and they're relaxing. And uh, a group of 40 brigands come in and they're like, okay, wow. We were looking all over for women, but the women are here. And so they go to their rooms and they're like, Hey ladies, let's let's spend the night together. And the ladies are like, all right. The guys lay down, and the forty women chop off the heads of the brigands, <laughs> and and it just goes on like this. And I'm like, wow, all right, just kicking ass left and right. I love it. You know, I I won't spoil the ending, so it's it's a nice it's a nice ending, and yeah, just lots of fun stories like that. Um, or I you know I haven't yet told the story of Kushkai the Deathless. Uh, about a, a wizard whose life force is inside of an egg, which is inside of a duck, which is inside of a turtle, which is inside of a box, which is inside of something on an island far, far away. That's another fun one that I'd, I'd like to do. Um, but I don't have just one story. I, I'm falling in love with all these stories and having so much fun with it.
from Kushkai the Deathless. That's how you get deathless, Volchitsa. Walk the same tale over and over until you wear a groove in the world. Until even if you vanished, the tale would keep turning, keep playing, like a phonograph, and you'd have to get up again, even with a bullet through your eye, to play your part and say your lines. For me, stories are just a way of people to be social, uh, a way for people to be social. So stories are a great way to show, hey, I'm feeling this, you also feel this, and uh, kind of get a, a mutual feeling of, hey, we're human, you're human. It's a, it's a connection for me. Everybody likes a good story. Everybody likes to feel connected to it. Everybody likes to have that thing of, oh yeah, I know how that feels. Oh yeah, I know what that is. And people whose stories haven't been widely told are very happy to have them told and are super supportive. Like my, my friend from Singapore is of Chinese descent and he said, you're trying, you're, you're doing well. Your Chinese is not very good, but you're trying and I appreciate that. I'm just learning that you know people like their stories told and, and they like to hear it and yeah it's wonderful part two the research do you feel like the connection with stories do you feel like it's something that a lot of people share even if they don't necessarily find themselves interested in stories do you find that stories still end up impacting them yeah I I feel like everybody likes stories. Even, you know, you might not like the format of this story or you might not like the way this story is presented, but everyone tells stories every day. Everyone has stories around them and it's just about finding how to connect with those stories. So, you know, you might not like a picture book, but you might like a radio story. You might not like this format. You might like this format. Um, but Everyone has stories, and it's kind of a thing that makes us human. What would you say your favorite format of storytelling is? Uh, I really like one person telling a story while everyone else is kind of gathered around and, and given reactions. That's one downside of my podcast is I don't have the audience reaction. I'm just yelling into the void. And so I'm like, oh, please, somebody like it or, or somebody have a, a feeling to it. But um, yeah, a, a really good storyteller in a group. Um, I've had several teachers who are really good storytellers. And as they're telling it to the group, you know, the, everybody's like nudging each other. Oh, oh, did you feel? Oh, man, that's a, and uh, that's a wonderful feeling. Have you ever gotten the opportunity to be in front of a, uh, so I know you have your podcast. Do you have, have you ever had the opportunity to be in front of a group of people? Uh, and tell stories to them? Yeah, uh, as a teacher, 
I do that quite often. I don't always teach stories. I, I teach a lot of different classes because uh, I teach English as a foreign language here in Korea. But I do get the opportunity to tell stories and go in front of, uh, especially on the weekends, I do this in front of six, seven, eight-year-olds. And I tell stories and I read picture books and they have a great time and I have a great time. So what inspired you to uh, start Sandman Stories? I was doing some recordings for my school because uh, as we were reading picture books, not every kid could get a copy of the book. It's it's not so easy to get uh, some of the better quality English books that, you know, I'm like, oh, this is a really good storybook. Ah, well, it's not available here. Oh, well, this is a great book. Ah, well, it's not available here. So we would take the copies that we've got and make quick recordings that the, the kids could listen to so that they could hear me reading the book. They didn't, because their parents don't necessarily speak English. So, you know, they could look at a book, but if there's no sounds coming to them, they might not understand the book. They might not be able to read the book along with it. So we started making little recordings just for our classes. And then we started a YouTube channel, which I, I knew was copyright infringement. And so it got struck down. I'm like, yep, kind of expecting that. So I turned to public domain books and I'm like, you know what? I really like reading stories. Here's a whole bunch of public domain books on Project Gutenberg, archive.org, all these wonderful stories. And, you know, as I've been telling stories for years, I, I might as well record them. And uh, later on, I'll, I'll have them for my classroom or I'll have them for other people to use. And uh, a lot of my friends said, Dustin, your voice really puts me to sleep. So I'm like... Okay, I'll, I'll take that as a compliment and, and use it for good. What do you feel like is the difference between telling uh, children stories and telling like adults stories? I think adults kind of uh, delude themselves into thinking that they don't like children's stories. But I think everybody likes the stories that get told. And the only difference is I try to remove some of the violence of some of the folk tales for if I'm doing it for kids some of them get pretty gruesome you know heads chopped off dead skins the, the one I just told about uh brother rabbit and brother elephant and sister whale you know brother rabbit takes a, a dead deer that looks pretty hacked up and he puts it over himself and walks up to elephant and says oh oh be careful brother rabbit did this to me <laughs> and it's like wow okay so yeah it's it's just you know, like a hundred years ago, there wasn't children's lit. There was just literature. There was just stories. So a lot of stuff that we would think of, ooh, that's too gruesome for kids. You know, we just treated kids like little adults. We're like, yeah, okay, so uh, this rape and murder happened. And, and it's like, whoa, this is for kids. This is for kids. So so I, I kind of take that out and try and make it a little bit more kid-friendly. But Kids and adults both like stories, and I find that they're both listening in and enjoying. Do you often change or adapt the stories that you're telling to your specific podcast format, or do you, you typically keep as much of the original source as possible? I try to keep as much in as possible. I will take out slurs, um, and if I can do it and not change the story... Uh, I'll either take out some of the misogyny and stuff, or I'll make a note on it as I'm reading it. 
you know, at the beginning of the podcast or after the story. Um, there was one Simon of the Snakes, which is a great story, great story, great story. And then at the very end, um, he's got a secret that he, he can't tell. Otherwise, he's going to die. And his wife keeps poking him. Come on, tell me. Tell me where'd you get all the money. Tell me where'd you get all the money. And finally, he raises up his stick. He says, woman, if you don't stop asking me, I'm going to beat you. And I'm just like, what? Why even have that in there? And, and if it's really bad, I won't record it. There's been stuff in the Persian and Turkish stories where, you know, there's a character that comes in that has nothing to do with the story. It's just like a little an extra thing, but it's a, and the Jew came up and it's like, what, what does this have to do with the story? Was, and so I'll, I'll edit stuff like that out. Um, and occasionally I edit the structure of sentences just because stuff that's written a hundred plus years ago sometimes uses grammatical structures that we don't use so commonly anymore. There's a lot of said he, said they, said, instead of he said, she said, they said. Um, and sometimes, like, there's a guy, W.E. Griffiths, he likes to write, you know, the first part of the sentence, and then four or five sentences of description, and then finish the sentence. And it's really annoying. And so I'll I'll chop that up. I'll I'll make that a little bit smoother. But that's that's about all the editing I'll do. I like to keep the original story as much as I can. So with those uh, like unique grammar and stuff, are there any uh, stories where you're like, oh, this is actually an interesting way to tell a story? I wish more people did it like this. I'm not sure that uh, that there's a grammar one that I can think of where uh, I'm like, oh, I wish there were more stories like this. Most of the stories I'm reading. I like the repetition in them. Like in a lot of the stories, there's seven of this and seven of that, or 40 of this and 40 of that. And I don't know, I, I like that repetition and I like that part that I wish more people would do. But I'm, I'm all for like, make it as plain to understand as possible. Don't go with the flourishes. Don't go with all the extra decorations because then it's harder to understand. And I want mine to be understood by as many people as possible. When you're trying to find different stories, uh, what typically draws you to those stories and how do you go about, I guess, finding them? Pretty much for finding them, I go to Project Gutenberg or Internet Archive and I look for public domain books. Um, Free Bookapalooza uh, is a uh, site run by Dr. Laura Gibbs, formerly of Oklahoma University, and you can find all sorts of public domain folk tales from around the world. And what I do is I just go for a book. I I, I don't go for individual stories. I I go for a book, and I try and go for a place that hasn't been covered, some culture that. The stories don't come out very often. Like everybody's heard of Grimm's Tales. Everybody's got Cinderella. Everybody's got Han, uh, Hans Christian Andersen. So I try and go for uh, my most recent one. I picked up is Louisiana Creole stories. I've got one from the Philippines. Uh, one that my friend Roberto is suggesting to me, and I, I, I got a copy of it, is from Ossetia and Georgia, uh, right in the Caucasus Mountains. So I go for whose stories haven't been told. And do they have some interesting stories in there? And hopefully they've got short stories because 
one of the Georgian ones, it was like a hundred page epic. I'm like, I can't do this in one shot. So a, a lot of it is friend recommendations. Um, I've got friends from around the world and they're like, Hey, have you considered doing this culture? I'm like, Nope, but I will, you know, uh, I, I made some friends with some uh, Filipino podcasters and they're like, Oh yeah, do these Filipino stories. And so I've been going through and doing those. Um, yeah. So it's just who has free books, who has books that I can open up and, and put in public domain and record and do all that. That's my, that's my basic searching. Uh, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, Cammy. If you liked this episode of Infamous Fables, make sure to share it with your friends. Infamous Fables is produced and written by me, Cammy. You can find the music for today's episode on SoundCloud in the Infamous Fables playlist. If you're interested in learning more about the stories you heard today, check out the links in the description where I've put my favorite retelling. If you have any suggestions of your own, contact me at camilee03.wixsite.com slash infamousfables. That's C-A-M-I-L-E-E 03.wixsite.com slash infamousfables. Keep your eyes open and you never know what you might see. Thanks! <laughs>